On today's show, Cavs injury latest, Darius Garland's turnovers, a Cavs magic preview, and much more to jam-pack Locked On Cavs for you this Wednesday. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app today, create your account, and use our code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off. For sure, take all of the stress, all of the confusion, all of the anxiety out of your ticket buying with Game Time. I'm Chris Manning. That is Evan Damerel. Thanks again to Jake Stevens, as always, for his work on production. We're going to start today in segment one, touching on the latest from practice. That's going to be Carol Silver's injury and what J.B. Bickerstaff had to say about Darius Garland's turnovers. Evan, let's start with Karis LeVert's injury. What's the latest as he did not practice on Tuesday? Uh, yeah, he just he hasn't practiced. Uh, J.B. said he's progressing slowly or just at his own rate. I think just the normal stuff. Um, Chris Fewer, Cleveland.com, noted that um, it's more likely that LeVert returns to the floor when the Cavs head off on their four or five game and six yeah, it's five games and six night road trip um with boston miami and uh orlando on the ticket so i think there's a good chance that we don't see levert to um, oh no we obviously won't see him he's out against um the orlando magic but um i just think it's going to be a kind of like a game by game thing because like it's similar to dean wade who is questionable and has been able to practice with the Cavs. um I think the the Cavs just need to make sure he's uh, he is in Levert's able to handle like full contact in the scrimmage and things like that. And he's just been seen limping because of that knee. And also like the other night in the locker room, he was icing up his knee quite a bit. And it's just going to be a little bit of an up and down approach until like he actually is available. Yeah, Levert. That is the the exact wording on the report is return. The sources say the hope is Levert returned at some point during the Cavs upgaming for game road trip uh that is games in miami orlando and then boston twice before they're back home versus atlanta houston utah and new orleans uh before they play in chicago right before christmas i mean here's the the only thing i really have to say about the levert thing is it just adds to the fact that it feels like we still haven't fully seen this team in some way this year right It, it still feels like to some degree this team has not been fully healthy. It, I think that has added to some of the issues we have seen. Doesn't explain all of them away, but I think it is certainly part of the issues we have seen with this group. You would just like them at some point just have everyone have a run of health and to really get a good gauge of, of what this team is about. This is getting into the meat of the season and getting a guy in Levert who has been, I think, fine. Like He's not been great. He's not, I think, a six-minute-year candidate, but he's been good, has had some big moments for this team, has fit into his role, I think, as well as you might have hoped if he's not going to score a bunch, I I think just getting him healthy and having this team healthy would, would just be a nice little balm for what's going on here. Yeah, I think balm is a good way to put it. Uh, to your original point, though, um, the, the Cavs, I mean, obviously Rubio's been gone the entire year, so like that, that certainly weighs on it. But if you remove him from the equation, the Cavs have never been truly, quote-unquote, healthy to open to, in any single game this year. Uh, 
So they've never really had like a full roster. Uh, G League guys notwithstanding, of course, too. So like there's just a lot of uncertainty on who is or isn't available. And it always just feels like when another one player returns, another player is on his way out or is still out and sidelined with some type of injury. And Darius Garland kind of noted that because I asked him uh, after practice on Tuesday that Max Truce said that this 11-9 start for the Cavs is average because of that record. And Garland agreed. He said it's also just been hard because that there's so many limited practice opportunities, especially at this point in the season. And we just haven't been able to stay fully healthy. So we can kind of gel and kind of find some new comfort between each other with some of the new things the Cavs are trying to implement. Moving on, other bit of new, other bit of commentary. One of the things that has caught my eye, and I think, is going to be worth a bigger discussion for us. I think we're overdue for a Darius Garland episode to some degree. But Darius Garland's turnovers. Um, Evan, what did JB Bickerstaff? What did anyone else have to say about Garland's turnover issues? So Serena Winters opened up telling, asking JB, like, "Hey, Darius's three point attempts are down from last season. I think his percentages are down as well compared to last season." Yep, they are. Um, and she asked JV, like, hey, is that more of like a product of the offense or are you concerned about that at all? Or um, is it just kind of something you guys have been address- addressing internally because Darius needs to kind of up that total? I mean, Donovan Mitchell is dealing with the same issue, too. But um, first, JV's like, no, it's not really a concern because we're trying to move the ball a little bit more. So I think there's less opportunities and people kind of rolled their eyes when I said that uh, on socials. But. It's true, like the Cavs aren't really as isolation heavy and like maybe not like as spot up heavy and Garland is more being the maestro of the offense. So there, there's some validity to that. But yeah, he's like, yeah, it's also on us just to kind of clean that up and scheme it up a bit better to accentuate those guys to get them cleaner looks from the perimeter. But then I asked JB, I'm like, well, Darius is also second in the league in turnovers behind Kate Cunningham um, per game and I think in total. And then he is still behind Kelly Olytic in terms of just turnover percentage per game um, per 100 possessions. And I said, is there a number that you're okay with, like in terms of turnovers? And just like right now, is it just kind of something you guys have been addressing internally just to kind of make sure that there are more opportunities to score versus just, you know, turning over the ball and then having to run back on defense. And he said, well, yeah, we're, we're not happy. He told me that he's like, we're not happy with how often he's turning over the ball right now. He knows that we know that. And we're trying to make that a point of emphasis just with the few days they've had together and just breaking down film or anything like that. And he said, there are turnovers we're comfortable with, whether it's him drawing a charge and it becomes an offensive foul. That's just because he means he's being aggressive and we're, we're willing to bite that pit, eat that, bit of it and then also he's just like or he like throws the ball out of bounds or it's just like a weird play where the ball goes out of bounds but he's trying to get his teammates involved like if it's within the flow of the offense and it isn't a careless turnover we're willing to stomach that because I think as he's alluding to like they do play at a faster pace now or at least they're trying to so there's going to be more offensive possessions naturally because of that so I think it's a little bit of an interesting thing I didn't Asked Darius about it, um, more so picking his brain on the New Balance thing because Jackson Flickinger kind of picked his brain on it, but uh, the turnover thing the other day. But um, yeah, it's just interesting because JB kind of like said, like, yeah, we're not happy with how he's turning over the ball and they are addressing it internally. So that is at least encouraging because it is alarming when you look at his turnover percentage and just like the sheer amount he's averaging per game right now. One of the things that I... I think that is one of the, just the core issues of what has happened. I think just if you have someone like Darius, who is so important to the way this team plays, who is so important oh, to... Say 
Like other than Craig Porter Jr., he's the only like point guard on this roster. But if you just look at like, okay, who has the ball in their hands the most? It's Darius Garland and it's Donovan Mitchell. Like just raw, like, hey, who has the ball in their hands the most? Drew we empowering to make the most decisions on this team. It's him. And when he's turning the ball over this much and he just hasn't been quite as sharp and hasn't been just quite as trustworthy, that's just, I think that's at a lot of the core of sometimes what doesn't work. That could be an adjustment to style. That could be him trying to be more aggressive. It could be a bunch of different things. The one other part about it, Evan, that I find interesting is just, I would think coming into the year, if you had told me what's like the one characteristic, like, of Garland's that I think would you would just say, oh, that is just the best thing. It would be his decision-making. At the end of the day, I just expect that guy to just be an awesome decision-maker, an awesome just just guy to not mess things up. And that's a simplified way of putting it, but that, just ha- that, that being there is really one of the big surprises of the year to me. That's been one of the things where I'm just like, okay, this is this is a little bit surprising. This is a little bit. Uh, this has caught me off guard a little bit. It's an issue last season when the Cavs um, were implementing Mitchell. I think it's been an issue like his entire career. Like there are nights where he's kind of has an eyebrow eyebrow raising amount of turnovers. But like last year or maybe Evan Mobley's rookie season, like one the Cavs were winning, so it's easier to kind of look past that. And two, he his assist numbers were super high last year. His assist numbers were, I want to say equal or even slightly higher than um, they were last year during Mobley's rookie season. So it's just now like the, the he's not facilitating and creating plays for or basket opportunities for his teammates. So now you're like, look at it like, okay, he's just wasting offensive possessions. And just like because of how high the volume is, at least compared to his assist totals and the fact that like the, the Portland game, I still think is in everyone's mind, even after they beat Detroit, like, there there are moments where Darius is really killing the offensive flow because he is being careless with the basketball. Well, coming up next, let's get into the rotation. We're going to talk about how good should the Cavs play eight men, who should be in the rotation. That's going to come up next. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at eBay Motors. And our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Lockdown Fantasy basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit, Fantasy Picks of the Week. A name that I like that's on Josh's list is Obi Toppin, the Pacers forward, the X-Nick. Shooting the lights out and the Pacers have a great schedule this week is Josh, is what Josh writes. And I like this pick because A, the Pacers are coming out of the tournament they are one of the if not the best offense league right now and Toppin is someone that on random nights can just rack up some easy points rack up some dunks rack up some numbers in a way that's impressive Josh Lloyd from Lockdown Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit that's same with your vehicle uh, if you have a dream ride, eBay Motors can be a place to help find that right part for your car. I have my Ford Bronco Sport. I have a list of things I may, accessories in particular, that I may want to get from a Bronco Sport, and it's going to be essential. And I want to keep that thing running forever, so I'm going to be relying on eBay Motors to do that. They have over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, 
Whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's eBay guaranteed fit. It is only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply, and make sure you check out Lockdown Fantasy Basketball as well. I mean, here is, I'm going to give you some minute totals, just average per game of what we've seen from the Cleveland Cavaliers this year. Um, um, this is not going to be everyone on the roster. I'm going to skip, you know, like the two-way guys, except for Craig Porter Jr. I'm not going to mention Ty Jerome, because like he's played two games and like has been gone. So here, here are the minute totals as we have them right now through 20 games in the season. Donovan Mitchell plays 35.5 a night. Max Drews plays 35.3. Evan Mobley, 33.5. Gary Scarlett, 33.4. Karis LeVert, 30.4. Jared Allen, 29.4. Isaac Okoro is 7th at 24.4. George Niang, 22.4. Dean Wade at 20.3. Has obviously missed some time of late. And then Craig Porter Jr. in 13 games appeared, including one start 13.7. You have, again, Tristan has you know played 8.8 minutes in 15 games. And beyond that, it's, it's guys who aren't factoring into what is going on here um, and for a variety of reasons. So, Evan, we look at that, and what stands out to me is two things. Number one, that the starters are playing heavy minutes, not a surprise. Secondly, that it feels of late, just with the way they've played and with things kind of shrinking, I think there's a world where maybe they try to run like an eight-man rotation, and then the ninth guy on a given night is matchup dependent. That, to me, feels like where we could be headed with this rotation. If that's the case, do you do like that strategy from Cleveland? Uh, no, I don't, because the the whole point of bringing in these extra players was to not run the stars whether it's Mobley or Mitchell um, or even Strews at this point because he's just such a high end and key piece for the Cavs um, into the ground like that we're kind of seeing right now and I, I know against the Pistons a lot of people were like frothing at the mouth mad that, they, that Baker Staff only went seven players deep against Detroit and it was such an ugly ugly win but the Cavs do have certain players. Like I, I know Damian Jones is out of the rotation entirely because of Tristan Thompson, but like Thompson can give you like that eight to 10 minutes a night. As we, you just noted, um, the lack of Tyson room, I think does hurt, but you are getting Dean Wade back. So at least that's another big type player that can play the three, the four, the five, but also has floor stretching ability. Uh, George Niang is there as well in that mix. So like, that's a third player. And then you have like, well, Lavert is out, but like Lavert is a guy you can lean on a bit more. Um, Akoro, I think, is a guy you can lean on a bit more too. But even if he is still going to probably get a healthy dose of minutes, because that's just how Isaac plays as a player and just how the Cavs utilize him. But I, I think, like, yeah, if they go an eight-man rotation going forward, I mean, like that's the NBA norm, I guess. But you do have depth. You did bring in these extra pieces to make your life a little bit easier on offense and defense most nights. And also give your stars a bit of a break because, as we can see, those stars are dealing with random aches and pains or injuries that aren't quite going away. Like, Bickerstaff did say, like, Donovan Mitchell's hamstring doesn't seem to be an issue going forward, but, like, it's still going to be on the back of your mind um, just because that's just the issue. Or, like, same with Garland or really anyone who's, like, super vital to what the Cavs do. And you'd rather not lose one of those players for an extended period where you're kind of struggling to put something together. Um and maybe you should just kind of open up your rotation a little bit more and sacrifice stats and minutes to for health and longevity. I think I would 
I, I lean the other way slightly, just in the sense that I think you're you. There's a lack of trust, I think, with some of the guys, and I think even on a night tonight, you could look at George Yang, who has had some very up and down moments. Um, you can look at Isaac Okoro, who he. I mean, I think Yang has been like honestly a, a lot better as of late. I've liked the minutes yeah. he's played of late. Yeah. He started the year I, in a horrible just, place, wasn't making any shots. I, he wasn't making any shots. He found his rhythm in his rotation. Shout out to Max Truce for putting me on spot for asking about Yang having shooting struggles. He was right. Um, he, he, apolog- he apologized I to know. you. It was fine. I know. It was I know. Fine. And he, hey, man, he, you know what? I was sharing with people he won an Emmy, and I like that subtle flex that he has. And like I told JB today, and JB's like, uh, uh, no, I didn't. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, wait, how did he win it? And then like it turned into a whole conversation. Okay. But okay. Um, okay. either way. Moving on. Um, yeah, Niang's been playing well, but it's just like I always just hold my breath when I watch him pick up the basketball and try to drive the basket because it's not pretty and it's been effective at times. But you really hope he starts taking more and more three-pointers because he is very, very good at providing the Cavs just both like size, but more importantly, that stretchiness that maybe it's just at a healthier dose and much more accurate than what Wade gives you. Yeah, I mean the 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 thing with him more than anything else, I think, is just that the the rate is a little bit lower. But I, I look at him compared to some of the other guys you have out there. It's like I would rather play him than Dean Wade right now. I I, I but it, you're really looking at like six guys that you feel I think super confident night tonight. That's your five starters, and that's Levert when he's healthy. I I think there there's like room on this team if they were to be able to aggregate salary and find an upgrade. I think it 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 wouldn't hurt. Like it could certainly help the team to just have someone who trusts more. And it's like, you look at Dean Wade, he's shooting 31.6% from three this year. He's hesitant to shoot a lot of the time. I'm not sure what you do with that guy. Like even Craig Porter Jr. I like a lot of what Craig Porter Jr. has done. His numbers are a little bit high for what I think they're going to be, but I like the poise he's played with. You did also already see the teams like scouting him differently. Mm-hmm. Like once they realized, oh, he doesn't totally want to shoot threes. Okay, then we can just sag off of him and dare him to do stuff. Like it's yeah, you're, there's just something a little bit kind of like lacking on the back end of this rotation where a clear upgrade would be good, or you're just like pulling the roulette wheel and like hoping you pick the right guy in a given night. Yeah, the unfortunate thing is Alex Curtis is making too much money because. I like well, Craig Porter Jr. I know it's not a know, money thing. Look, it's not. It's I, I, he's, he's, he's two first also, picks. Also, well, no, like Ricky O'Donnell said, it's like three, maybe four now at this point. Because well, what it's the it's game like, he had against he, the Bucks because yeah. he well, but, he's having a cheap. I mean, he's having a cheap. He's got like nine point six. He's sub mid level exception. That's not a too much money. It's I know, but for good. the Cavs' sake, like it's just hard to slot the salary together to make that trade work. But like you think, about, I agree with you. Like maybe you do upgrade it in the margins. I'm not saying you trade Porter Jr., but you should. No, possibly address like bringing in another point guard, especially the Rubio gone for the year. Like I asked Bakerstaff about it on Monday and he said like uh, the only conversations he's had with Rubio have been via text. And like, yes, they've been positive, but like there's not much. He didn't give you much meat there. So who knows if Rubio ever comes back? But like that is a need, especially if like Garland has to have like a designated rest day or like has to is dealing with another random injury that just seems to be hitting the calves left and all over the place. Um, it's just, you, you think about it or like, even like if you look at Brooklyn, like a team like that, who is kind of up and down, like you're not going to get like Mikhail Bridges, obviously, but like, shoot, maybe Royce O'Neal, or if you somehow cobble together a trade that can fit Landy Royce O'Neal and or Dorian Finney Smith, like those are upgrades. And then you can look at the market and say like, okay, 
where can we go get a backup point guard for a relatively reasonable price that at least has that full stretching ability just in the event that like yeah Craig Porter Jr. is kind of slotted in as like our pit bull um defense like defensive first backup point guard of the future but he still needs time to marinate and grow with the main club I don't think he's ever going to play for the charge like yeah you kind of cove the market for that like I can't think of a name like off the top of my head but there's probably a guy out there that the Cavs could take a gander at I think even just like if you could find a wing on the cheap if you could just something to like turn Dean Wade slot into something you trust a little bit more would 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 help this team to some degree all right coming up next so let's let's go ahead one more name his injury isn't as concerning as I it might be, or I think it might be. If you could somehow get Monty Morris from Detroit, like that wouldn't be a bad upgrade either for a backup point guard spot. But yeah, I agree. I think, like wings should be the focus. Like you could never me, have yeah, too get, many of those. Yeah, you could patch together the backup point guard stuff. I would rather just like get some better versions of Dean Wade. All right, coming up next, Cavs Magic. First of a tough stretch for the Cavs. Let's preview that game after this. Today's episode is brought to you by today's title sponsor, and that's Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry about last-minute concerns or anxiety when you're buying your tickets to your next big event. Game Time steps in here. It's the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. They have killer last-minute deals. You get all-in prices in the app views from your seat, and the best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. I love the last minute deals you can get. You can build your whole events around finding a great deal last minute. I did it for Aces Liberty over the summer. I'm going to do it again for some things coming up here in Cleveland. And with the game time guarantee, that means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time, download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked in NBA for twenty dollars off purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code L O C K E D O N N B A for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price that is guaranteed. All right, Cavs Magic Evan. Here is where I start with this game. Um, it's gonna potentially be a pretty ugly slog of a basketball game. What the Cavs' offense looks like in this matchup, to me, is the question. Um, if you look at what Orlando is on defense, they have the league's third-best defense overall, according to Cleaning the Glass. They have the fifth-ranked half-court defense, according to Cleaning the Glass. The Cavs, by the way, are fourth in half-court defense. So I, I think this game very much could just be a slog in the half-court and decided by who takes care of the ball better and then who can maximize their opportunities in transition better. Um, I, this is a... Not going to be a pretty game by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, it absolutely is. And I think in Cleveland's case, it does help that Orlando's still without Markel Fultz, who could be a bit of a problem against Darius Garland when he's healthy, just because he is a very good defensive guard. Well, and then... the, 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 the real defensive guard that's going to be a pain in, the, in a word I can't say for Cleveland is Jalen Suggs. Well, that guy. Jaylen, yeah, Jalen Suggs is that, good. The, that and guy it, is better, the, though. He's a... It, Better than Marco Fultz now. Just straight up better than Marco Fultz. Guy rules. He's, watch watch the clips. Watch the, the clips. The, and I, I know when he somehow does a play, like steals the ball from Evan Mobley or dunks on him, I know Anthony Lina is going to tag um, Justin Rowan in it right away. So thoughts and prayers to the Rowan household for that one. But um, then there's also just no Wendell Carter Jr., which is who is also just like a player I really like. And um, 
is a bit of like that Al Horford like player that can either stretch the floor or just be really annoying defensively to kind of muck things up. But I agree, like it's going to be an ugly affair because the Cavs are still trying to find stable footing. They're trying to find out who they are, whether that's in the half court or transition or at all offensively. I think defensively, that's going to translate against Orlando, who is a top tier defensive team. And this will be kind of like a gut check game. Like, are the Cavs able to string together two wins? Like, two wins in a row, first off, would be impressive. But the second one being against a very good Magic team who has, like, the second or third best record in the conference right now, like, that is a bit of a statement. And I think would be, like, I know I said the Pistons win was, like, at least a palate cleanser for the Blazers game. Like, that would be the best way to distance yourself from that loss to Portland and also, like, kind of set the tone for a very tough and arduous road trip where you do face the Magic again along the way. Cleveland in the half court this year versus last year. This year, 94.7 offensive rating in the half court. That is 23rd in the league as of this recording. Last year, it was 10th, 99.8 per hundred possessions. Um, last, this current year overall, 23rd in offense. Last year, they were 7th in offense. So like, this just has, statistically has not been the same quality of offensive team. And, and we're, I, if they can break through here in some way, that to me... Will be interesting in transition. Uh, the other part of this for Cleveland, they are seventh in points per possession in transition. They are seventh in, they're sixth in frequency in transition. They're particularly good off of steals. So can they take advantage of that is, is where you go. I, I think if they get into a, no one I think will like enjoy watching Evan like a half court version of this game. I want to see some stuff and I want to see how the Cavs solve some different problems here. If there is one area that I can look at this and say, okay, can Cleveland take advantage of this, exploit this on this given night? Orlando does turn the ball over a lot, and their offensive guard play in particular is just not very good. Uh, they're 26 in turnover rate. There's an opportunity there. If you have a good defensive performance, you get in transition. Mitchell and Garland have better nights, and you're efficient enough in the half court. Like there's a there's a way to win this game. Like you and I don't. I'm gonna look up the line as we're talking from our friends at FanDuel, but. Like, there's a path here. It's you, you just have to, I think, do some very specific things. You have to do some specific things, and I think you really have to make them uncomfortable at the point of attack. I think you might see a lot of heavy Isaac Okoro minutes in this game because if you're forcing guys like Paolo Bancaro to be, like, the offensive hub, like, I think he's capable of doing that, but it's also easy to overwhelm him, too, if the guards aren't able to kind of set up their teammates in within the flow of this Orlando offense. And, like... I think for me, like it's going to be that or just the bench battle. Like how can the Cavs kind of counterbalance Orlando who has a pretty solid bench here? Like Joe Ingles had a season high the other night and it's always weird to think and like awesome to say that like Joe Ingles had a bounce back after that devastating knee injury. But like it's, it's Cole Anthony, it's Gary Harris, it's Joe Ingles, it's Mo Wagner. Like those aren't names that like jump out at you. I think Cole Anthony might for sure just because of like his counting stats. But more than that, like, it's just really impressive to see how well Orlando is gelled and meshed together. And I think there's some saminess with how the Cavs looked like during Mobley's rookie year to compare to how the Magic look now. But like, this is a fun, really fun young squad. And again, this will be a bit of a litmus test to see like, all right, are, is this Cavs team finally ready to turn that proverbial corner? Or like I said, is it a Wiley Coyote situation where they're chasing the roadrunner through a tunnel they painted, but it ends up just being a, a wall that they smash into. From FanDuel, I, I, I hope you get that reference because I know you didn't watch cartoons, but I hope Looney Tunes at least was on your. I, I'm con- like vaguely aware of Looney Tunes, so here's the just to just to dispel whatever. Like 
I watch some cartoons, but it's like limited amounts of cartoons. It's I just okay. can't watch like you watch you watch Family Guy because Peter Griffin's in Fortnite now, which is still weird I, to say. Late late night, uh, some late night Family Guy when like just couldn't fall asleep when you're like 16. All right, Lions from Fanduel, Cavs minus four and a half as favorites in this game. They are minus 190 to win um, straight up. Orlando is a plus 160 underdog over under, which I would lean the under. This <laughs> is 23.5. Uh, this could, I, I'm expecting a slog in Cleveland Wednesday night. That's a, that's a seven o'clock tip off. We'll have a recap up here on Locked on Cavs after that game. Thanks again to Jake Stevens as always. Talk to y'all on Wednesday after Cavs magic. Enjoy the rest of your day.